Let's do it. Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we're going to try to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got every one of our lines wide open. Go ahead and give us a call. Get you an answer, give you a little free advice, kind of point you in the right direction, if nothing else. That's right. We'll get you to the top of the list. See, we got one ringing, so keep that's them good. coming. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and point you in the right direction. A lot of times, that's all that people really need is just a little guidance in the right direction. And that's with anything you're doing. Yeah, pretty it much. doesn't just pertain to automotive work. Right, you know, right. Your home computer, you or know. anything. Just anything with a little advice if from a professional somebody can point to get you, you in the right, right direction. direction. Boy, it can just save you so much. Because there's so many people out there who profit from people going in their own direction. Oh, exactly. They're going to sell you a whole bunch of junk you don't need or, or whatever. They're going to profit from it in one way or another, and that's the reason they do it. But it's tons and tons of misinformation out there floating around. There is. Then, there's, of course, there's a neighbor who's well-meaning, but he just doesn't know anything. He Maybe he worked on course 30 years ago, and he <laughs> gives you some advice. Well, you really can get in a whole lot of trouble. So. It's best to touch base, go on the internet, look at some forums, and don't just take the first answer you see. You want to get a pattern. You want to look exactly. through several answers, see if there's a trend there, and then you'll get some type of a guidance because I'm going to tell you, cars are just so much different than anything you could even imagine. Oh, they are much more complicated than, than oh, they yeah. used to be well, even two or people, three years ago. Most people realize they're pretty complex, but they have no idea just how complex and how many little idiosyncrasies they are. It's sort of like take a 2008 or 2009 Chevy pickup truck and try to bleed the brakes and see what happens. <laughs> or just take the master cylinder off <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, that's right. That's You have every light on that dash on. You're, no brake pedal. You're going to ABS and the pedal will be on the floor. Yep. And the more you bleed it, the worse it's going to get. So you can just really, really get off in some deep trouble oh, yeah. real quick with the way things are these days. Let's go to our phone line with Rick. Good morning, Rick. Hello. Yes, sir. Good morning. A friend of mine has a, I believe it's an 05 Saturn. Uh-huh. And... They're not diligent about changing oil. Okay. And right now, they've got valve tapping problems. Yes, sir. I got on the Internet uh, last night mm -hmm. to try to figure out if there's a good solution, you know, in, a, in terms of an additive to help get that cleaned up. Too, not. Little, too <laughs> no. little, too late. Yeah. Uh, all they can do is knock it in the head and go get them another car. It's done. Too late. Too late. Game over. <laughs> yeah. All right. It, I mean, you could have stuck rings. The bearings are going to be all every seal in the car is going to be hard. You dump any kind of additive and it'll start puking out the rear main seals. It's just nothing to do. It's like a fellow was in the shop the other day, and I told him two years ago he needed an air conditioning compressor. Well, he just drove it until the compressor exploded. Game over. Nothing you can do. It can't be fixed, man. you got so much metal in the system now, there's just nothing you can do. So not every problem can be fixed, Rick. You know, if, if you ran it, all they can do is they can take a real good lesson out of it and don't do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they want to put a new engine in it for six grand, they can do that, but more than the car's worth. Right. But no, extended oil changes. I've got probably 10 articles on my site about them with pictures and everything else, but people still just don't, I guess they just don't want to believe it, but man, you just cannot go on those extended oil changes. It hardens all the seals up. It sticks right. all the rings in the pistons. I mean, it galls things up. Well, trying to help them, you know, I, I, uh -huh. I've, I've actually got it every four months. I, I've, mm -hmm. I've got a little calendar in my computer right. that reminds me to remind them <laughs> there to you change go. their oil. Yeah, shame say, you got to oh, do that, but do I know what you mean. 
And yeah, I mean, the best thing they can do, Rick, if they want to try to squeeze some more life out of it, is just start changing all a little more regular. Stay with the same exact oil they've been using. Don't change anything because any kind of th- changes you make are going to make it worse. Okay. You don't want to change viscosity. You don't want to change brand. Just start changing a little more often. That's okay. going to get you the most you're going to get. But the uh, damage is done. They've been going to the oil yeah. change center. Right. right. So I'm just... We just have to, it's a crapshoot there. Right. Well, the right. thing about it, too, is you're not getting a quality filter put yeah, back on it get, either. getting a cheap filter a lot of times. Some of those filters are substandard. They yeah. may bypass, and you're getting unfiltered all in the engine, all kind of stuff like that. Well, but Yeah, what I was thinking of was getting, making sure that we had the recommended oil for yeah. the vehicle That's and right. buying a filter and taking it to a shop. You could do that, right. or, or, you know, I don't know how handy they are. It's really not that difficult to change oil yourself. If, this is a lady. Yeah, well, yeah. go and buy you some decent filters and get you some decent oil and bring it somewhere and just pay them to change it. Right. You'd be dollars ahead, but I wouldn't Definitely. put any kind of additive in there. It's just going to make it worse. Okay. All righty. That's what I needed to know. Okay, Thank Rick. Right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. That's one topic that I've got a bunch of articles on, and one of the articles on the site is called The Sad Truth, and I see this, and I know you do as well, on just an absolutely daily basis. Oh, yeah. And the problem is that by the time folks realize they've made a mistake, it's too late. They're done. That's it. The damage is done. There is no fixing this. Well, I'm not going to say there's no fix. You put a new engine in it. Well, yeah. The cost of fixing it will exceed the value of the car by a wide measure. And it's one of those things, kind of like smoking, you can't wait until you're 70 years old and you got lung cancer. To quit. In both lungs, say, well, I'm going to quit and get back in shape. Right. Too late. (laughs) (laughs) You have to quit back when you're 30 years old or 40 years old. So it's one of those deals, it's just way, way, way too expensive. And so, folks, the first question comes up is, why then do the manufacturers all recommend these oil changes? Because it looks good on paper. Plain and simple, they're in the business of selling new cars. That's right. Now, if you sell new cars, you've got two primary competitors. One is the auto repair shop, who's going to keep the old car going longer. Exactly. The other is the used car market, who's going to sell some of my used car. Now, if you can absolutely destroy this car... Now you just wipe those two guys out, so you don't have to worry about being repaired. Yeah, doesn't have to be repaired, and it ain't going to the used car market. It's going to the junkyard. So now there's a huge market for selling new cars. That's right. And what you're doing is telling people what they want to hear anyway. You don't have to maintain the car. Just (laughs) just keep on driving it. But I have absolutely no reason to tell you one way or the other because I'm not a big fan of changing all. I'm just not. I'm trying to. You're cornered the market on all changes. It's not. Oh, I'm telling you, that's. In fact, I, I really. I really try to tell people that if you could change, if you have the wherewithal to change your own oil, that's the best thing mm-hmm. because you can control the quality of the oil change, control the quality of the products that's being used, and make sure it's done right. That's right. But I'm just saying it's just way, way, way too expensive to go to these long oil changes. You, you will not be able to afford it right down the road. I mean, and if you want to drive the car fifty thousand miles, throw it away. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, fifty thousand miles. Most people hadn't paid for half the car yet. Well, they still a whole principal. They ain't paid nothing but the, the interest, interest on, on it. That's <laughs> it. Let's go to our phone lines with Mark. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Good, Good morning. Sir. I have a 2003 Honda Odyssey, yes, and I was going to change fluid okay. on the uh, radiator yes, antifreeze. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know it has a rear AC and all that yes, stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there any special procedures? No, sir. No, sir. Uh, do you have rear heat as well? Yeah, it has a lot of, yeah, it has the controls in yeah, the back. All that is going to drain. Mark, mm. when you drain the system, you just have to get to the lowest point. You got to be a little careful. A couple of things you got to watch out for. When you take the little petcock out of the radiator, that's not a screw in thing. Most of those are like a quarter turn type thing. So be careful. You can break that real easy. If you break it, you got to buy a new radiator. So be a little careful with that. 
a lot of times at the shop, we just take the lower radiator hose off. It's easier than messing with those little pet cocks because a lot of times we take them out and they go back in, they leak, and then you can't do anything with them. So do that. Look on the engine block and see if there are any drain plugs in the side of the engine block. If they are, remove those also because you want to get as much depleted coolant out as you possibly can. If you don't do that, you're going to only change about half the coolant. So if you add half fresh to half depleted, you still got about 75% fresh. You know, you're still not right where you want to be. The other option, it's a little wasteful, but what you can do is change it, run it about 20 minutes, drain it, and do it again. That way you probably got about 90% of it out of there. But you want to make sure you get as much of the depleted coolant out as possible. Now, a couple of other things I'm going to cover with you, and you may already know this, but just in case you don't, you need to get distilled water. Do not put city water in that car. And do not dump the antifreeze in and then put the water on top of it. It will not mix in that system. You have to get something and pre-mix it 50-50 before you pour it into the car. Yeah, I had uh, I bought the antifreeze from the Honda dealership. Okay, so good. I, I hadn't even looked at it to see if this if it's diluted or what. If it's the green say, stuff, it's not. If it's blue, it, it is. is. It'll say on the front of the jug. Right. And okay, see, I do not mix. I don't or... think they started with the blue until 04. They got tired of people dumping city water, so they just started pre-mixing the coolant. And now you just pay an extra. You're buying a gallon of coolant, you're only getting a half a gallon because you're paying right. for a half a gallon of water. But it's the only way they can ensure that people put the right stuff in the cars. But if it's the green, yeah, they're all ethylene glycol, but the corrosion protection is different on them. So if it's yeah. got the green, put the green back. If it's got the blue, put the blue in. But if it's the blue, it's already mixed. That's right. Okay, you got to mix it if it's not. If it's you green, you it. have to mix it 50-50 with the steel water before you pour it into the car. All and you right, can well, you can bad. get distilled water anywhere, grocery stores, yeah. uh, anything like yeah. that. You yeah, can carry you, just, you, you don't want water. mineral water or anything like that. You want distilled water, but uh, right, yeah, right. just pure water. Something with no chlorine, no fluoride in it. Right. All right. Well, thanks a lot. All right, Mark. You're welcome. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. Doug and Charles, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Lewis Aldersand with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we're trying to answer any questions you might have, just give us calls. And that's what Doug did. Good morning, Doug. Yes, I have a 96 Nissan pickup truck, which okay. you, you looked at about several months ago. Okay. And you probably don't remember it. but uh, sure. Now, I've got a problem that's creeping in in the last week or so. Okay. And when it sits 
I notice it sits at, uh, when it sits at work for 12 hours mm-hmm. and I go out there, I've got to push the clutch all the way in and sometimes several times and almost slam it through the floor before I can get the engine to turn over. And the resolution yeah. like No, that's probably the clutch safety switch, switch Doug. There's a little switch. And it doesn't mean the switch is bad because I believe it's got a little nylon bushing that sticks into that pedal that comes down and hits that switch. And they're kind of bad about that little bushing. It'll dry rot and fall out. And when it happens, it doesn't push the switch in enough. So you got to mash and mash and mash trying to get that switch or it won't crank. It's keep okay. you from trying to crank it with the clutch out. Mm-hmm. But it's probably right. that little rubber bushing. I mean, it's possible it's a switch, but like I said, well, we change those little bushings a lot. There's a real easy way to check that. Mm-hmm. Just reach down there, make sure the truck's in neutral. Reach down there with your finger and find that button. Little switch. Turn the key over toward the start position and just bump that switch. Yeah, just push the button with your finger. With your finger. And if it cranks, then you know the, the switch, switch okay. and everything's good. You just got a, find an little, application problem. Yeah, find that little button. Now that switch is back. It's on, up top of the clutch pedal. It's on the back okay. side on, toward the firewall. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty. All righty. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Hi, right, you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. And we got Charles on line. Good morning, Charles. Hi, gentlemen. Good morning. How are you? Good, Good morning, right, sir. Good morning. All right. Calling about 2010 F-150, uh-huh. five, uh, 5.4 liter V8. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Peak oil. Is that a decent brand of oil? Almost all oils are good, Charles. It's just that you don't want to change between them. You can select any oil you want. Any of the major brands are good. They're all going to meet all the standards that you're going to need. The problem that you get is when you start going from one to another to another because the additives are not compatible, and you can get a lot of problems. Now, that being said, what I like to do, Charles, and like to advise people to do is to find an oil that's readily accessible because what happens is inevitably you're going to need to change your oil, and you're not going to be able to find the oil you want, and now you got a paradox because you either got to put something else in there or you got to not change the oil. I know I've got people who use a lot of these oils that you buy on the Internet. I don't want to use the names on the air, but... They're good oils and everything, but you got to order them online and one thing or another, nobody's got them locally. And they come time for an oil change and they forget to order the stuff. And now they either got to go past their oil change or they got to put something else in there. That's why something like, if you want to go to synthetic, something like your Mobile One is so good because you can buy it absolutely anywhere. You can buy it at Walmart. I mean, you can buy it anywhere. Almost any shop's got it. It's a great product, readily available, and it's as good as anything on the market. What about the STP oil? Are they decent or? I don't know who makes those. Charles, the STP doesn't make it. What you want on that thing is an FL820S Motocraft filter. Nothing better. So I really need to use the Motocraft filter? Yes, sir. Uh, we would recommend it. Yes, sir. And uh, if I use Peak, say I buy it in bulk or a two, three year supply? Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't do that because it can contaminate on your sitting or additives can fall out of the oil. So you don't want to have it sitting around, particularly unless you've got a climate controlled place to store it. If you sit it outside or in the heat, it can give you some problems. So you want to buy it as you need. I mean, you can buy a case at a time, but I don't, I don't like to store all more than about six months. I see, and it would it be prudent to change it every every 3,000 miles? How are you going to use it, Charles? You're gonna, how many miles you put on it at a time? What's your average trip? What, Most people, it's less than 10 miles. Most people go to the grocery store and back, then they go to work and back, and then they go. If your average trip is less than 10 miles, you need to change every 3,000 miles. Don't let nobody tell you different. If your average trip is 50 miles, let's say you're working Geismar and you're living in Baton Rouge and you're driving 50 miles at a time. Well, you can go a little longer on that. I got you. I sure appreciate it. All right, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And we got Bobby's been patiently holding. Good morning, Bobby. 
Good morning, gentlemen. I've got the problem of uh, cloudy headlight lenses on yes, a, a plastic housing. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Tell you what you do, Bobby. Go to my website and look on there, and there's an article called Dull Yellow Headlights. Okay. And it will give you step-by-step instructions how to fix that, and you can fix that yourself. Ah, that sounds good. Yeah, okay. there's chemical out there. Several people make it. McGuire's makes a great one. 3M makes a good one. There's several other ones, and they're either one- or two-part process, but basically it's a polish. What that yellow, dull yellow is, is little tiny cracks in that housing. If you really want to get ambitious and really get a nice job, go find you some, like, 2,000-grit sandpaper uh-huh. and wet sand them before you start and then get your polish and get on there with an electric buffer, and you can make them look like brand new. I've learned a lot of great things listening to your program, and uh, don't guess and keep throwing parts. No, the first no. Thing, so. just too expensive. It just costs yeah, too much. I like you say, when you run out of money before you run out of guess. That's right. <laughs> Take care, guys. All right, Bobby. Thanks. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And let's see, we have got Betty's been patiently holding. Good morning, Betty. Good morning, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I have a question about a 2010 Yukon that okay. is fine, new, mm-hmm. but when I turn the key off and open the door and uh-huh. get out, I hear some crackling like. Is it from the air conditioning, maybe dripping on? Is it kind of like a gurgling noise almost? I guess it sounds crackling to me, but yeah, I'd have to hear it to tell you, Betty. But the will it, the refrigerant will gurgle in the evaporator core on the GM products when you first turn them off. It's sort of like, it, yeah, I guess it's flashing from a liquid to a gas, mm-hmm. and it does make some noise. Kind of annoying, but they say it's normal. Do, will it do it every time you does get it in every and time? Out? No, not really. I'll tell you what you can try, Betty. Next time you drive it, turn the air conditioner off about two or three minutes before you get out. Okay, and then when you get out, see if it still does it. Okay, and if no. it does not do it, then then it's probably the air conditioner. Now, if it still does it, then it ain't that. It's something else. Right. Uh, that, that being a 2010, that's still covered under your factory warranty. Right. It if doesn't you, have but about 3,500 miles. Well, right, that's great. Right. That's even better. Yeah. You've already paid for the warranty, and if you can get it to do it, you can right. ask the – when you get to the, the uh, service department, ask the service rider to – Ride with a technician. Yeah, and show You can them. show the technician what the vehicle's doing. That way they know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to decipher it off of paper. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's why I'm asking you all. Yes, ma'am. Paul, yes, ma'am. tell me what I should say. Yeah, I just go in there. Well, first off, I try to turn the air conditioner off before you see and if it's yeah. If it goes away, then it's probably the AC and it's probably normal. Right. Well, if if it's you. still there, what you want to do is go and ride with the guy. Just take him around the block, come back, say, okay, now listen, and turn the car off and let him hear it. And say, okay, that's it. That's the noise. I will do it. All Y'all do a good job. Thank, Thank you, you, ma'am. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Duke online. Good morning, Duke. Hey. Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Yeah, I've got a 92 Toyota pickup, uh-huh. four-wheel drive. Uh-huh. And uh, two different questions are not related, but one of them, like the lady here, when you when you get out the car or the truck, mm-hmm. it started has that gurgling noise, bubbling noise, radiator. Okay. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't run hot. Doesn't leak fluid, you know, the uh, yes, sir. antifreeze, nothing. Right. I didn't know if there was something to be concerned well, about. Or? I would be a little concerned on that one, Duke, because that is not a common complaint on that vehicle. They just didn't have that problem. On the newer Yukons, they do some, tend to have that problem. A lot of times that is related to the coolant being a little low in the radiator, maybe not necessarily the reservoir. What I would suggest okay. you do is let it cool completely off Take the radiator cap off and look in there and see if the radiator is not low. And okay, what can happen? Would... Well, what can happen is that reservoir can stay full because what will happen is if you get an air bubble between the top of the radiator and that hose, that
That's a right. siphon. It breaks the siphon. The reservoir stays full forever, and your radiator gets low. Okay. And if you get air in there, you can start to hear that noise. So check right. that first off. And if it is low, then you got a leak somewhere. It may be a small leak, but you got to have a leak. You need to find that because that'll end up corroding your system up on you. Right. And what do you consider low? Uh, just all the way up to the cap? It should be all the way up to the cap. Yeah, if the reservoir is full, then it should be all the way to the top of the cap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other question. Mm -hmm. Not a major one either. You turn the, the blinker on, uh -huh. and it's not all the time, but uh, like you're doing 35, 40. Uh -huh. Turn the blinker on, it'll throw the speedometer like it's short now go all the way to zero you know just real quick but only when you turn the blinker on only when you turn the blinker on but it, it'll do it one time yes sir. and you know continue to blink and not affect it yeah it's got to have a loose ground wire somewhere duke what it's doing is, is the ground is backing up through that circuit and it's just glitching that speedometer okay it's a loose ground probably either in that turn signal circuit or somewhere under the dash now finding it is going to be the devil uh. Yeah. <laughs> it'll probably that. get to where it does something more. You know, like it'll not blink when you turn it or something, and you'll be able to find yeah. it then. But I would probably check over, make sure all the bulbs are seated good and tight, and okay. just shake all the wires, see if you can duplicate it. A lot of times right. you can get on a dash, just kind of shake the wires. You might see the speedometer glitch also. Yeah. But it's going to probably be a loose ground somewhere. Okay. All right. Good. I appreciate it. Okay, Duke. Thank you, man. Bye bye. All right, man, I think we've got time for one more before the break. we got Tony on the line. Good morning, Tony. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Got a 97 Honda Accord. Uh -huh. gum windshield wipers just stopped working yesterday. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I checked the fuse. It's good. In fact, I can even hear the, you hear the motor running. Hear the motor running. Yeah, there's All a right. little link, Tony, that runs from the wiper motor out to the transmissions. It's got some plastic bushings and they're notorious for breaking. I'd almost bet you that's what that is. Yeah, what you happens? Can, you can it, take the blades and move them by hand. Right, they just right. freewheel. Yeah, it's some two little links that go in there. They're about fifteen dollars a piece. Kind of tricky to change them. You got to take that cow panel off. It takes about an hour, hour and a half to change them. But they should have those at the Honda dealer. I mean, if you're pretty handy, you might can do it yourself. If not, come to the shop. We'll, we can do it for you. It's not a huge job, but those little links are fairly bad. The plastic dry rots over the years and it breaks. And when it does, the link pulls off the little transmission. So the motor runs, but the, the wiper's just freewheel. So it's the, the mechanical link. Yes, right. almost always. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. Yeah, I think you have to, you have you to pull the wiper the off. off first. Yeah, no. take that take that cow panel off. Look down in there, and you'll see them down in there. Okay. All, All right. right, man. Okay. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. That's a pretty good part of the automotive. I'd love to have you. Bravo hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. Bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's in auto tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
Welcome back. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Rob's been patiently holding. Good morning, Rob. How you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Got a 2006 Ford F-150 Super Cab. Okay. And it's got like 85,000 miles on uh-huh. it. My gas mileage ain't that great. Okay. And the power in it, it just seemed very, like I don't expect it to do like my new Dodge Hemi. Yeah. I mean, I expect the V8 to have a little. Is it a lot you know, less than it's always been, Rob, or is it just never had power? I just bought the truck. It was yeah. a James Construction truck. Yeah. They, I, as far as the gas mileage, I can tell you, they don't get mileage. Those trucks will get about 12 to 13 in town and maybe 15 to 16 on the road. That's what they get. So cleaning my, taking my throttle body off, cleaning it, and my math and stuff ain't going to help any of that? Probably not. If that's, if that's the mileage you're getting, that's what it's going to get. Right. Uh, everybody pretty much complaining about the Ford gas mileage. And you go on the net and you'll see thousands of people. Uh, that's just what they get. You're not going to get that significantly better. I mean, there's a few things you can do to tweak it. You might pick up an extra mile per gallon or something, but you're not going to significantly change it because that's just the design of the engine. But the low power would concern me a little bit just because those engines are usually pretty perky. Uh, it's a 5.4 liter? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's either a 4.6 or a 5.4. Either one of them is usually a pretty peppy little old motor. What you could do is there's some tests we can run to see if it's doing all it can do or not. There are things that could contribute to both of those problems. For instance, if... They didn't use a motorcraft oil filter on it, and the timing chain guides are worn in it. It can retard the cam timing, which will kill your power and your gas mileage. And I've got an article on my website showing pictures and everything. That's a fairly common problem when you use a cheap oil filter on those. What you will, got a high mobile. Yeah, well, that's what you got now, but you don't know what they've had on there for the last 100,000 miles. You oh, see? yeah, yeah, I guarantee you. They were going through that uh, loop, so you know. Right. Just those well, you don't know what's on there. You don't know what, yeah. Now, you see... What you want to do, Rob, in the morning, very first thing, crack it up and listen real carefully and see if you hear a little rattling noise for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. If you do, then I would almost bet you a dime to a donut it's going to be the timing chain stretched on it. Go on my website and look up, do a search on Ford V8 or something like that, and it'll bring up the article with pictures and everything. That's one of the most common things that causes the power to drop off. Now, Another thing is the fuel pressure regulator or the fuel pump will drop the power, but generally it's not going to drop your mileage. It's going to actually increase your mileage a little bit because the fuel pressure is dropping. The third thing would be catalytic converter that's restricted or starting to plug up will drop your power. But again, you're generally going to start getting a little overheating and stuff with something like that. So I would almost be leaning towards that timing chain first off. I mean, I sure wouldn't go crack into it and check that without doing some investigation first. Are you getting a check engine light yet? No. Okay, because you probably will get a check engine light at some point in time if that's what it is, but it has to get pretty bad before you'll get you Generally, the noise will come before the light will come. Okay. But if that's the case, generally the left side chain guide breaks. It retards the cam timing on the left side, and you can drop power first thing, and the mileage will drop off. All right. So that's kind of sort of what it sounds like. But, I mean, there's some tests a shop can run for you and tell you. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Richard online. Good morning, Richard. Yes, sir. I have a 2004 Avalon uh-huh. that I had the rear brakes replaced. Okay. And they turned the rotors. And when it sits all night and you start backing up in the uh-huh. morning, it makes a tremendous noise. And yeah. then it goes away. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I know that they didn't replace with Toyota products. Yeah, well, I can tell you, they turned the rotors. I know they didn't put Toyota products on yeah. it. Right. Because nobody turns rotors on a Toyota ever. Okay. Uh, you know, number one, they're not thick enough to be turned. And number two, if they're it's smooth, a... they don't need turning. And if they're rough or warped, they'll be replaced. You don't turn them. Okay, so, so the noise is just, not going well, to the performance. It's going to be the, the junk pads they put on there. Because anybody turns rotors usually puts a junk pad on there. They probably threw the shims away that go behind them. And no, put no grease on no the grease back and No grease on pace. anything. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you, all of what you're saying connotes somebody who is going to do a very good job. We, we see that all the time. Probably, okay. probably ten well, times a week. I can tell you who did it. Don't, no, 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 we don't need to know. Okay, so, I mean, it was a reputable. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, that place. doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Right. But what you need to do is go in, look at them. First thing, if you look at the back side of the pads, you're going to see that there's no grease on them. They're not lubricated. Okay. Okay. That's Then you'll see the pads will be bright blue in color or something like that. Or not, gray. Or... Yeah, not the right. original pads. And if you look real close or take them off, you'll see there's not going to be any shims, little stainless steel shim between the pad and the caliper. Now, that okay. those are the things that make noise. Okay. What you're going to have to do to fix it is probably just go in and just redo the whole job. You know, all right. Throw all that junk away, get some Toyota pads, get the shims put on there, lubricate them, put it back together with okay. new rotors. And, and that you know, would eliminate the noise. That's going to eliminate the noise completely. The performance is doing okay. Yeah, they'll stop okay because the rear doesn't do a tremendous amount of stopping anyway. So okay. even if you lose 50% of your stopping in the rear, you never even notice it. Okay. Know, the brakes, the fronts do most of the stopping. Okay, and I have one other question. Yes, sir. On the passenger seat, mm-hmm. occasionally... When somebody is not even sitting in that seat, uh-huh. yes, the airbag light yes, comes mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it, thing has got a sensor in that seat that tells it when someone's in the seat and not, and it is extremely sensitive. Okay. And they've had a little bit of problem with that where it'll give a false signal. Now, I tell you, too, if you lay anything in the seat, like a laptop or anything like that, right. it'll, it'll drive it crazy. Okay. Because it's a radio frequency type thing. In fact, Toyota's actually got a bulletin that says don't lay a laptop or anything. It's any kind of radio transmitter in that seat. Okay. Because it will definitely cause it to freak out. But that is a relatively common problem. There might even be a flash update available, Richard. I'm not sure on that. That makes that thing a little less sensitive. Uh, you might check and see. A Toyota dealer or any good independent shop with a Toyota scan tool could tell you if there's a flash for it or not. Uh, another thing that we see a lot of times, the wire that goes from the floor up into the seat, when the seat moves back and forth, or if somebody sticks anything on the seat, you can kind of move that wire around sometimes and cause that problem. Okay. So it's generally a connection type thing. It's just not a big deal. Okay. I'll right. check it out. Okay, Thank Richard. you much. Thank you, man. Bye. 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 If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Dorothy's been patiently holding. Good morning, Dorothy. Yes. I'm calling about my 2001 PP Cruise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It drives fine. When I have the air condition on, it drives good. Uh-huh. But at the red light, mm-hmm. when I stop, mm-hmm. it makes a thump sound, and it, it, it don't do it often. Dorothy, that would be kind of too vague for me to really give you a whole lot of guidance on it without hearing the noise. There's any number of things that can cause a noise like that. Is it when you come to the stop or when you let off the brakes or when you start to accelerate out of the stop? No, it's at the stop, I mean at the red light. Yeah, but it, wh- don't make no, it don't make no noise, it's just a thump. Yeah, but when does it do that? Is it like when you first come to the stop or when you let off the brakes or when you take off? No, it's when I'm at the stop. When You're I'm sitting on the still. Yes. Sitting still. You're sitting With still, the air car's not moving, nothing, and all of a sudden it pops? Say that again. You're just sitting still, not doing anything at all, and it just pops? Right. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I'd that's ha- that's real vague. It. Yeah. 
You see, you, what you have to do, the only way you'll ever get that fixed is to bring it to someone and get in the car and go drive with them and show them, say, okay, listen, boom, you hear that? That's what I'm trying to fix. Yes, you can feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a motor mount or something that's loose and the motor's shifting into position. It could be something in the brakes, that something in the front end bushing. I mean, it's just so many things it could possibly be without a better description. Just no way you're going to be able to isolate that without riding in the car and seeing it. But take it to somebody, get the tech in the car with you, and go drive it, duplicate the noise, and say, there it is, that's the noise, that's what I won't fix. And let him see how you do it. And they should be able to fix that relatively easy. Okay, because I had two mounts put on it mm-hmm. by my tire. Well, and that's probably one of the things that could cause it would be a motor mount. But, again, you're going to have to get the man in the car and go drive. You just walk in the shop and tell him what you told me. He ain't never going to find it, I can tell you right now. Okay. You're going to have to get the mechanic in the car. Okay. All righty. Okay, now what's your address? Just go to my website, and you okay. got a map in there from anywhere in the world, agcoauto.com. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. 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 If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Richard's been patiently holding. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. 95 Suburban okay. 6.5 Turbo diesel. Yes, mm-hmm. And 280,000. Wow. Oh, I'd never miss a lick mm-hmm. so lately. Uh, <laughs> it, like if you take off after you crank up and drive a little ways, mm-hmm. it, you full board it, and it really it get kind of shake and miss a little bit. Yeah. But it, when you first do it, when you first crank up, it's all right. It's like it's starving. I yeah. changed the filter. I think I got a fuel pump problem. Well, there's a module on there that runs that pump, if I'm not mistaken. And it's going back a few years, but it's some kind of electronic module on those things that gets real hot and causes that problem. And I think there's an update where they relocate that module out onto the firewall somewhere. I done done all that. Yeah, I've been fooling with these things for years. Yeah, I've... you need to check that again and see because mm-hmm. that's kind of what it sounds like. That'll do a fuel press. Yeah, well, it don't mean anything. Check it again. I got three of them. <laughs> okay. Three of them modules. Well, bring it to somebody else and let them check. It. <laughs> all right. Now, it's something else. Mm-hmm. Now, I got a big enclosed trailer. And if I got mm-hmm. that trailer on now, loaded, mm-hmm. shoot, I can get on it, and I mean, she'll pull. Really? No problem. It'll blow black smoke and just go. Yeah. But if I'm empty, it wants to sputter. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Yeah, that is strange. Yeah, but it sounds like you said, like some kind of a fuel delivery problem. First thing you need to do is put a fuel pressure gauge on and see what the fuel pressure's doing. I might go home and do that. Yeah, that'd be the first thing. And I know those modules cause that exact problem. I've just had people come in before, and uh, I know you can go through several of them. Yeah, we've taken them straight out the box and and had to change them out. Don't even work out the box. Yeah. Particularly, I've had a lot of trouble with them over the years myself. Yeah, yeah. there's tons of people making those things, and I think a lot of them are rebuilt and aftermarket and everything else, so you just never know what you're getting. I tell you, any more new don't mean absolutely anything at all. You ain't new. I mean, it don't mm. mean nothing. I mean, I, I've taken parts out of the box that didn't even have all the parts, didn't even have all the connectors on them. Uh-huh. And, and I mean, I'm talking about name brand stuff right out the box. Well, I want to let y'all know, as people listening out here, sure appreciate y'all. Uh, uh, we sure have solved a lot of our problems, you know, that y'all yeah. helped us with over the years. Well, good. I've been listening to y'all since you started. I, and I do all my own work. Well, and, good. You know, I listen to y'all, and y'all sure have helped. And we yes, do appreciate it. Now, Rich, i tell you, too, if you send me an email... Uh, thank you. Well, well I, I, just, I just don't crowd it when it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I worry about it. That's right. Thank you, sir. Okay, All right. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take one more quick little break. Kelly and Troy, hang on. You'll be straight up after the break. Man, I had
had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan. got Mr. Brian Terry here in the co-pilot seat. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we've got Kelly who's been patiently holding. Good morning, Kelly. I'm sorry, Troy. <laughs> I got the, wrong, got the wrong line there. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. I have a 98 Lexus SC300. Yes, sir. And it started overheating on me the last was it last couple months and uh-huh. I replaced the... Well, I noticed that the... Uh, okay, for, first off, Troy, when does it overheat? Does it overheat when you're idling idle or does it overheat when you're driving down the road? Strangely enough, it overheats mostly when it's uh, hot out and I have the air, air conditioning on. Yeah, but is that an idle or when you're driving down the road? Both. That's absolutely critical for you to know if you ever want to fix this problem because there's two totally different scenarios there. If it overheats going down the road, you're talking about some type of capacity issue where it can't handle the capacity of heat that it's producing. A number of things can cause that. The simplest thing, and you may have tried this already, would be a thermostat stuck partially closed. Yeah, change the, that. The next thing is a partially restricted. The... Well, fan ain't going to do it going down the road because you got 40-mile-an-hour okay. wind blowing, so you can save that money. The mm-hmm. next was a partially restricted radiator. If you got maybe one out of every three tubes plugged up, it can do okay at an idle, but it's going to overheat going down the road. And when you come to a stop, it's already overheated, so it's not going to cool down. So that would be one of the classic symptoms on that. The last thing, and I'm kind of going in the order of severity here, would be either a leaking head gasket or a cracked cylinder head. It will okay. leak compression into the coolant, and it will produce way more heat than the cooling system can get rid of. With that, generally, the further you drive, the hotter it's going to get. Okay. So you just got to determine exactly when it does it. If you turn well, Mm-hmm. I tried to I tried to determine when it does that, and it just seems to be more intermittent. It doesn't seem to be one or yeah, the other. Yeah, there's going to be a pattern to yeah. it, though. Generally, anything that overheats at an idle is going to be a flow issue, an airflow issue, because you don't have okay. air running through it. So then you're talking about fans and all that. And, of course, you could have multiple problems, too. Right. But if it overheats going down the road, you can forget the fans, you can forget all that stuff, because, like I say, you got 40-mile-an-hour air blowing through that radio. You don't need a fan. Okay. So you sounds like you into some kind of a capacity issue. What I would probably first do, if that's the original radiator in that thing, Troy, mm-hmm. I would probably replace that radiator. Just okay. because it's 12 years old, it's done past its life. It's plastic radiator. It's going to crack and blow out and leave you wide open anyway, and that fixes an awful lot of those intermittent problems like that. Okay, that sounds good. Thank All righty. Thank you. All right, part of the automotive art, we'd love to have you. And now we've got Kelly online. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Good morning. 
Hopefully you remember how uh, how these things work. I, gotta, <laughs> I bet you Brian got a, does. <laughs> <laughs> we got a 72 Mustang. Yes, sir. It's been completely restored. Yes, sir. Ran fine for a good long time and then started running bad at an idle. Mm-hmm. Put a vacuum gauge on it. It was losing vacuum. Okay. Didn't have, didn't have enough vacuum on it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we've had the heads redone. Mm-hmm. We've changed manifolds, carburetors. Mm-hmm. We've plugged every you know vacuum leak done everything we could to figure out how much vacuum does it have it's got at idle about six six yeah you'd probably check out again i don't think it won't run at six something's not right yeah you get another gauge and put on that thing i don't think they'll even run at six generally anything under about 10 they're gonna die and it should have close to 18 16 to 18 right running but get another gauge and put on it and see you may be chasing the wrong problem all right. Well, the other issue is that when we set the timing, we got to mm-hmm. set it way advanced from the timing marks. Mm-hmm. And, of course, naturally that leads to at idle, it overheats a little bit. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's a little hot. Everything, you know, I've talked to people in our community, they, everybody says, well, it's probably the camshaft. I mean, you know, know. you can't go with that, Kelly, because, I mean, you can say it's probably a whole lot of things. Yeah. You can spend a ton of money, it sounds like you already have, and never really fix your problem. I mean, you need to get that to somebody who can do some proper diagnosis on it. What is the symptom that you're trying uh, to cure? Rough idle. Just a rough idle? Yeah. I mean, that should be a real big deal to find on that car. What I would do first off is to take and while it's sitting there idling, remove your plug wires one at a time. Okay. And see which ones affect the idle and which ones don't affect the idle. Okay. okay, and if you pull number one off and it almost dies, you put it back on. You pull number two off and it almost dies, you put it back on. You pull number three off and it doesn't make any difference. Well, number three is where this problem's at. Okay? okay, and just go around all eight of them until you find out which cylinder or cylinders is causing the problem. Now, once you do that, you know where to start looking. Now, if not any of them affect it a great deal, now you've got something that's affecting all cylinders it. equally. So now you can look at stuff like a carburetor problem or a vacuum leak or distributor worn out or on and on and on. Right. But you need to determine first off, is this a single cylinder that's missing or is this multiple cylinders missing? If you find one cylinder missing, it's real simple. You could take the plug wire off that cylinder, cross it with another cylinder, and see if the miss moves to the other cylinder. If it does, you got a bad plug wire. If that doesn't do it, change the plug from cylinder to cylinder. If it it miss moves, you got a bad plug. If that doesn't do it, check compression on that cylinder. If you got low compression, then now you're talking about a valve. But see, instead of spending thousands of dollars reworking heads and doing this and doing that, I mean, just a few simple tests can isolate that for you. Okay. So y'all still work on older vehicles? Like I that? really don't. I just don't have the wherewithal to do it. We stay so busy with all the stuff we're doing. But man, there are guys around who do. Just check around. You'll find somebody who can do it. I mean, it's really not that difficult. It just takes a little bit of time and. You just need a structured approach to diagnosis. You start throwing, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I mean, you'll spend, you run out of money before you run out of guesses. Oh, and well, it'll still be running rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 we, the whole top end's been replaced. Yeah. Distributor boxes, everything. And yeah. that, that makes you think it's something else. Yeah, it's got to be something else, man. You know, still something, doing, you something know? that's being overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. That's why I called you. Okay. All right, man. Thank All right. you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Maybe you want to be part of the automotive hour. And we got Tim on the line. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Uh, 2008 Honda Accord uh-huh. EXL yes, uh, cabin filter. Okay. Where is that located? What type of vehicle? A Honda, Honda Accord. Accord? It's behind the glove box. 
behind the glove box. Take yeah. if if I remember right, you open the glove box and it's got two little stops on each side. You got to take those out, roll the glove box compartment out, and there should be a door right behind there that you just take and take the little door off. It's kind of clipped on. You can take it off with your fingers. Okay, so and it's, it's three. a it's a two piece filter. You're gonna pull one of them out, and then you're gonna have to slide the other one over and pull it out. If it's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. but it should be right there behind the glove box in some kind of configuration yeah. there. Relatively simple. Yeah, it's not relatively a, simple for me to do. Yes. Yeah, do you have the owner's manual? Uh, yeah. It th- should I be in owner's manual. I think it'll cover it for you. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. All right, All right sir. sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi. Part of the Automotive Hour, and we got Bruce on the line. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Well, just got a comment for the fellow with that, I think, a 72 Mustang. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. If he's got that old variable Ventura carburetor on there, that could very well be his problem, <laughs> it could and be. buying another one won't help. No, that's it. Well, I mean, it, it's like we were saying. There's so many things that could be. You just go run out of money before you run out of guesses. You're gonna have to have a structured approach to diagnosis and go in and find out. First off, is it a single cylinder? Or is it all the cylinders? And that's gonna eliminate a whole lot of possibilities right there. But, but uh, that's I, the way you got to do it. But I've seen that old carburetor yeah. cause problems oh, that somebody would dream of. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, so all right, thank Mr. you. Bruce. Bye-bye. All right, hey. Just about squandered a whole another hour here. <laughs> How about that? That's right. I want to tell everybody to be sure to go to our website. That's right. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. There's several databases you can search there on our site and should get your questions answered there. Should you happen not to find what you're looking for, you can always right. send Lewis an email. And he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. That's right. Just go ahead and send it over to me. And put another detailed topic on here this morning on dash gauges. And That's a good one. I try to put some simple ones and some more technically involved ones. But a lot of people don't understand what all the gauges on the dash are trying to tell them. That's right. And that can save you a whole lot of money if you realize where those gauges are supposed to be, what the little differences mean, and what the gauges are trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. So you might want to pop on there and see what you think. Also, last week's article was on brand name and no-name gas. And right. And a picture of an old gas station. And I'm still waiting yeah. for somebody to tell me what year that photo was taken. Still hadn't got it. <laughs> so i tell you what, anybody can tell me that. You just send me an email, and I'll send you a free ACO T-shirt if you get there you it right. Go. There you go. <laughs> so pop on there and see what you think about that. But there's tons of other things you can do on there as well. There's just tons of detailed topics with lots and lots of information. There's the vehicle questions. There's a nice section there on Agco philosophy that applies to our business, but you might apply it to a lot of other things as well. You might want to read that. It tells you why we do some of the things we do, why we've come up with some of the procedures and stuff that we use. Uh-huh. A lot of people really like reading that. So www.agcoauto.com. Pop on there and see what you think. I think you'll really enjoy it. And we're going to get on out of here. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. And we'd like to thank our podcasters that listen every week and tell your friends and see if we can get some more. That's right. Have a great weekend.